Welcome to the Outreach.fm podcast. Your beacon of light in a world that can sometimes feel a bit too chaotic. Remember, no matter how turbulent things may seem, God's unwavering presence is always guiding us in search of a fresh perspective, eager for a new spark of joy. Well, you're in the right place. This is Outreach.fm, your source for the uplifting and timeless message of Jesus Christ, a message that resonates as strongly today as it ever has. We're broadcasting straight from the heart here in the Upper Room Studios, sending a wave of positive energy and faith across the globe. Are you prepared for a journey of inspiration and hope? Then let's dive in. Welcome to Outreach.fm. And now, we bring you a voice of wisdom and compassion, Pastor William Luffman. So we're going to read a verse here in Romans chapter 15. <clears throat> it's really, um, Paul, you could say in a sense of the word, this is a prayer that Paul was praying for the church at Rome. Paul was making inroads into the Gentiles, uh, the people that weren't born people of God, like Jewish people, and he was making inroads and churches were being birthed and and. Paul was introducing them to the things of God. And here in verse 13, he said, now the God of hope, everybody say the God of hope. So, so first of all, just so we could see it right away, that God is a God of hope. He is not a God of hopelessness. Thank God we serve a God of hope. Now, I don't know about you. There's some people you can go to when you need hope and they can't give you any hope. They don't have it. They actually can pull you down, but we serve the God of hope. If you spend much time around God, God will get your hope up. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So this is a great, um, just a great verse about how God wants you to abound in hope because hope is useful in every part of your life. You need hope for your for your health. You need hope for your money. You need hope for your children. You need hope if you're married. You need hope for your career. You need hope for your dreams. We need hope in every area of our life. Amen. And he said, I want you to abound in it. I want you to have, I want you to be full of hope. Even if you're in the middle of a hopeless situation or where there's a lot of hopelessness, you ought to be the one that has the hope. Can you shout amen? So I know, again, some of these things we've said before. Uh, one person said it this way. The dean at Princeton said, by the way, did you know all the Ivy League schools were all Christian schools? Did you know Harvard was a theological school? Did you know that all of those Ivy League schools were, I mean, just they were founded on Christian principles and they had uh, chapel services and they had services. Uh, they taught the Bible and to see how things have tilted, they've gotten away from their roots. Consequently, you know what they've done? They've lost their hope. Amen. It's amazing how you get walking with God and the word of God, you keep your hope. Now, uh, but anyway, the dean at Princeton Theological Seminary, he called hope the oxygen of the soul. So we have to have hope. It's like oxygen to our soul. Amen. Tonight, my job is to, to get your hopes up. I want to get your hopes up. I want to get your hopes up so high that they exceed any plateau where you've ever had them before. And, you know, you know this. We're not talking about the world's definition of hope, which is basically wishing. 
You know, somebody said, well, I sure hope so. Anybody, have you ever, if somebody said, well, you think things are going to get better? And here's what they say. Well, I sure hope so. Well, let me tell you, that has no power in it at all. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about a powerful spiritual force. Amen. First Corinthians 13, 13 says, these three abide. Faith, hope, and charity or love. They abide. You know what that means? That means there's an endless supply for mankind. As long as mankind is on this planet, God has made sure that there is a never-ending, non-exhausting supply of faith, hope, and love available to mankind. You can't exhaust it. He said these three abide. In other words, they're living. They're always going to be available. You can always access faith, you can always access hope, and you can always access love. As long as we're on this planet, we have an endless supply. Amen. So, I like that. Now, I mentioned a little book that we uh, preached out of maybe 15, 18, 20 years ago. I can't remember the first time I preached out of it by a man named Dutch Sheets. How many of you ever heard of Dutch Sheets? Now, if you've watched the Victory Network, he's been on there a lot. He's been kind of a nationwide figure the last three or four years. He's held a lot of services, revivals, prayer meetings especially, really big on prayer. And he did a little book on hope a long time ago. We used to have it in our bookstore. I, I think, Tell My Heart to Beat Again or something like that. It was something like that. There was a quote in there that I've used many times, and I love it, and I'll never stop using it. Here's what Dutch Sheets said. You don't have to be well to hope, but you have to hope to become well. You don't have to be well to hope, but you have to have hope to become well. So if you are suffering in an area of your life, the way to get your life better, you've got to get your hope activated. That things are going to get better. Can you shout amen? Now, Job 8, verse 11 through 13, I'm going to read out of the Living Bible here. It says this, Those who forget God have no hope. Now, would you say, based on what you see in the news, based on what you see on social media, would you say, as a whole, mankind has little or no hope? Wouldn't you say that's true? I mean, it's like you cut on anything and it's negative and we don't know what we're going to do and, and, and all of that. And you want to know why? Because they forgot God. Now it says here again, Job 8, 11 through 13, those who forget God have no hope. They're like rushes without any mire to grow in or grass without any water to keep it alive. Boy, that's a pretty vivid description right there. Listen to this. Suddenly it begins to wither even before it is cut. So when you don't have hope, the expectation is for things that are bad only to get worse. Are you hearing me? See, when you have hope, it cuts off, it puts a limit on how bad things can get. See, the moment you have hope, you've put a stop on, on negativity. You put a stop on it. When you have hope, you have shut it down. It's not going any lower. It's not getting any worse. I'm not going through any more. I'm telling you, I have, I have got my hope. But when you don't have hope, it says even before it's cut off, it'll just die even before it's cut. Because the anticipation is things are only going to get worse. How many of you have been around people and they say, well, you know, it just goes from bad to worse. You know, and you heard people say that kind of stuff. Amen. I was born in a household of hopelessness. We could not see a path. I could not see a path out of that 
out of that life. Because it was on a repeat, you know, where it just kept going over and over and over. And it was the way it was. And, 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 and I couldn't see it as a kid growing up because there was so much hopelessness. And there was always an anticipation. Or if things were going pretty good, they'd go, well, you know how it is. Things will happen. Something will happen any minute now. I mean, have you ever heard that before? Don't look at anybody. Are you listening to me? All right. So... But hope is based on God's word and God, here's a, here's a more important one, God's character. Amen. See what we've lacked teaching accurately in churches uh, for a long time is we have lacked teaching the true character of God. We have taught about a God who loves you one day and puts you in a car wreck the next day. We've talked about a God that'll meet your needs one day and the next minute he'll cause you to lose your job and, and, and get kicked out of your house. And we've taught that and that causes people not to understand the character of God. But when you understand God's character, you know that God's looking out for you. You know God, God absolutely wants the best for you at all times. He always wants you. Thanks be unto God, which always causes you to triumph. Who causes you to triumph? Thanks be unto God, which always causes you to triumph. How many times? So hope, the kind of hope we're talking about is based on the character of God. I don't question whether God wants good things for me or not. I know God wants good things for me. Even if something bad's happening, I still know God wants good things for me and I am not letting go of him. My hope is in him. Can you shout amen? Hope says it's a bad situation, but God is still God. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know somehow. Look at your name and say, I don't know how, but I know somehow. That's where you just know it. You just know that somehow, even in the middle of the hopelessness and the, the patterns that seem to be set up over your life, but I know God, I know his character, I know his word, I know somehow this is going to turn for my good. Amen. And hope puts pressure on the spirit and puts pressure on the word. It's a good kind of pressure. God designed it so that you can literally put pressure on the word of God for things to change. Can you shout amen? amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, you're in the book of Romans. Go back to Romans 5. Real quick, it's not in my notes sent upstairs, but we're close and in the neighborhood. Therefore, being justified, verse 1, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access. Boy, that's a great word. By faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in tribulations. Notice this, we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation works patience. And patience experience, listen to this, and experience hope. And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is, Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So we, when you go through things as a believer, it says even when you're going through tribulations, we see the glory of God show up. We believe God's glory will show up even when we're in tribulation. 
And if we'll be patient, the Bible said it will produce experience and experience always produces hope. How can I believe that things are going to get better uh, if I'm facing a situation now? Because I have experienced how God has done it before. Therefore, I have hope because I've already seen it happen before. Experience brings hope. Can you shout amen? Now, in Psalm 42, tonight we're just going to run through some stuff and kind of get you some foundation here. Psalm 42. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I remember, I remember sharing this with you a couple years ago, but in case you don't remember it. And, uh, but here in Psalm 42, I love this vivid illustration. It says, as the heart, that is not like your heart. It's H-A-R-T, a deer. Everyone say a deer. As a deer pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Now, we, we studied this and we found out that a deer... When it is in pursuit, when something is pursuing it, it loses more of its water in its body than any other animal more quickly, 80%. And it, it has to. A deer has to find water if it has been being chased. It has to find water or it'll literally just fall, run and die. And a deer, after it has been pursued, will go and will find water and will risk its life risk its existence, even expose itself possibly to a hunter just to get down to that water just because it has to have it or it's going to die. And he's kind of pointing a, a kind of like a picture here of us that we need to get to the point where we are so desperate for more of God that we will not let anything deter us. We will not be afraid of what's going on around us. We'll not be afraid of what anybody out there. We won't be afraid of anything. We will run to where God is. Amen. Now look in verse two. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night while they, talking about the world, continually saying to me, hey, where's your God at? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. Listen to this. When I got into all this trouble and, I, and all these things began to come on me and the world was mocking me, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept the holy day. So when you get into trouble, you run to the house of God. You run to the house of God. I mean, you, 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 you should be the first one here and the last one to leave. But look at the next verse. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieting me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So we find out here that when you get in trouble, you run to God. And the Bible says one of the things that happens when you come to the house of God is you should get your hope back. How many times have you come to the house of God and you're facing something, but a word is spoken, a song is being sung up here, uh, somebody greets you somewhere, somebody gave you a hug, amen, somebody laid hands and prayed over you. God always has hope available, amen. And it's like living water and it fuels your soul, fuels your life. Can you say amen? So you've heard this definition before, um, I'll give it to you again. You've heard it before. Hope, according to scripture, is joyful, joyful. Everyone say joyful. Okay, now that's a key word before I say the next part that you already know what I'm going to say. But the first part is important. 
Hope is joyful expectation. It's where you're already beginning to experience joy before you've ever seen anything change. And that's how the Bible defines what hope is. It's the word, by the way, uh, tikbah, T-I-K-B-A-H in the Hebrew. It means it's a strong, it's a strong expression of hope. Uh, this word hatikvah, H-A-T-I-K-B-A-H, that is the, did you know that's the national anthem for the nation of Israel? Hatikvah, or our hope. That's their national anthem. Amen. And it was written back in the 19th century in hope that one day God would fulfill his promise. They were not, there, there was not a nation of Israel then. But they would, uh, they, someone produced this, this song in hopes that one day they would have a nation again. And they sang this for over a hundred years in different gatherings that one day they would have a nation again. In 1948, it happened. Are you listening to me? And with all the controversy going on out in the world today, I still say it to you over and over and over. The land belongs to them. And much more than even what they have. Do not get caught up in politics and, and, and you know, all the stuff on television and emotions and all of this stuff. And again, you look on these campuses at all these foolish people um, that are protesting against Israel because they don't know God. It still comes back to the fact they don't know God. Amen? All right. Now, and the Hebrew, it's a word that also means the same thing. It really means, um, um, I wrote this down, expectation, hope in the New Testament is expectation with preparation. Meaning not only are you expecting things to get better, you're already preparing as if they're going to get better. You're already making preparation. My situation is about to change. Man, things are about to get better around here. I tell you what, praise God. I'm going to go ahead and make room for this right here. I'm going to go ahead and make a place for this right here. I, my, I, it's coming. I mean, I'm so sure of it. I'm so confident of it. It's already coming. I'm making preparation for it. Amen. Even when you're in a, a time where it's not showing up in the natural, you're already preparing for it. See, I want you to understand the kind of hope we're talking about is a real powerful spiritual force. It's just not wishing. Amen. All right. So, uh, again, uh, someone said this. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who've grown hopeless about them. You know... Uh, Hope is, in some way, I'm going to, it's going to sound not, probably not quite true, but, but hear me out. Hope is hard to kill. I'm talking about Bible hope. It's really hard to kill because hope will keep on trying to spring up even after it's been put down. Hope will try to bubble up. God will send somebody to you when you've already said, man, I tell you what, I'm done. And God will still send somebody to you trying to get you to <clears throat> get your hope back up. <clears throat> He'll uh, cause you to see something on television or something on social media. I mean, hope is, hope, again, remember, hope abides. Hope makes it through. Hope, is, hope can find its way through the storm. Can you shout amen? Ezra 10, and I'm going to read it, verse 2. Now, what had happened here, we know about the rebuilding of the, uh, you know, of the temple walls and the temple. We understand all this is going on, and they finally make a sacrifice unto the Lord. But something had happened. They had disobeyed God. A lot of God's people had married people 
in the land and God had told them not to. Everyone say disobeyed. Now, I want to make this clear because you've got to know your scriptures. God did not, God was not against them because they married someone of a different race. He was against them because they married someone of a different faith. They were marrying people who were worshiping pagan gods. <clears throat> and God forbid it. By the way, if you're single and you're looking to be married again, do not marry anyone that does not share your faith. I don't care if they are Billy Buttocks or Sally Shortslip. I don't care who they are. I don't care how brawny they are and how smooth talking they are and how much money they make. I don't care about any of that. The Bible's very clear about not marrying someone who's an unbeliever. Now, I know some of us were ignorant and we were out in the world and we did all that before we know what we know now. But now that you know it, you know it. Amen. But I want to show you something here that's pretty cool, just this little verse here. In Ezra, verse 2 uh, from the Amplified Classic, it says, And Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, one of the congregation of the sons of Elam, said to Ezra, We have broken faith and dealt treacherously against our God and have married foreign women of the peoples of the land. But I like this next part of this verse. Yet now... There is still hope for Israel in spite of this thing. Now, now, now that, that verse caught my attention because it really is saying, even when you make an error, even when you do the wrong thing, even when you have chosen wrongly, if you will go back to God, God will, there's still hope in spite of you doing the wrong thing. God is the one and only that can help you turn everything around and still get you back on course, but it's going to take hope to get you back on course. Are you listening to me? I just thought that was an interesting verse. Amen. Now Hebrews, we were not, now, now let me quote Hebrews because you know it. Uh, we'll go to Romans chapter four, go back to Romans. Hebrews 11 and one, we all know this verse very well. Now, Faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So hope is evidence of something you cannot see. And a lot of Christians today, their faith is not operating at the level that it should be because they really don't have hope as the foundation. Hope has to be your foundation for your faith to work. You can't just throw verses out and things just come to pass because you threw a verse out. You've got to literally have to have the active force of hope generating inside of you for your faith to have something to attach to. You can't just say scripture and it just come to pass. And a lot of Christians get fooled by this. They are maybe overdeveloped in faith to a degree, but they're completely underdeveloped in hope. And you're never going to get the optimum yield of your faith unless your hope has risen. Amen. You can't just sit there and say something when you don't even really believe it. When it hasn't really become a hope inside of you. Otherwise, you're just spewing out words. Hope is an image. Hope is an image in you. It's already, you've got the image of this thing. Even though you haven't seen it in the natural, you've got an inner image of it. And when you do that, your hope becomes active. Then suddenly your faith, you can attach scripture then and things will begin to change. Can you shout amen? amen. 
I use this simple illustration, used it many, many times. But when we were getting ready to build these buildings, we knew what we wanted. We knew what the building, you know, should look like. We had to sit down with architects dozens and dozens and dozens of times, many, many times. And they had to draw out what this building would look like on paper. And they gave us this thing called a set of blueprints. Now the blueprints, you know, uh, nobody could park on those blueprints. You couldn't park a car on those blueprints. I mean, there was a lot of them, but you couldn't park a car on them. You couldn't have a church service on those blueprints. But those blueprints represented something that was coming. And we had, we just had the, but we knew it was coming. We were so confident the day that we got the blueprints and the city stamped them and we met with the builder. It was like, it's, it's a sure thing. It's coming. Hope is that thing inside of you. It's that blueprint. It's that image you've got. I don't see it out here yet, but now 100%, 100%, 100% it is coming. Because I have the blueprints. I've been approved. I've got the builder. Got the funding. I got my blueprints. And now it will appear. Amen. Now, Romans chapter 4 uh, these very familiar scriptures here, but I just want to show you a couple things here. Um, Romans chapter four, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith, everybody say faith, that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Listen to this. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So let me stop a minute. There's something that people need to remember about Abraham. He was not under the law. Abraham was before the law. You understand that? The law came with Moses. That was some time later on. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob had sons. One of them was Joseph. And remember, he had to go to Egypt. And the people had to go 430 years. So this is centuries before the law. But somehow Abraham got these incredible things to happen and there wasn't even a law given yet. Abraham had a covenant with God and it was a covenant of faith. Before there was a law and the Bible says we are of the seed of Abraham. We are not, as far as I know, none of you are biologically born as native Jewish people. Maybe you are, but probably most of you aren't, if not all of us. But we are seeds of Abraham. And Abraham had this incredible thing happen that was, had it never happened before to anyone. He had it happen without the law even in existence yet, without any of the New Testament or any of the books that we're enjoying. And he got it all to happen through faith. But there was another part of that as well. Let's go on and read a little bit more. As it is written, verse 17, God said, I've made you, talking about Abraham, a father of many nations. Before him whom he believes, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So say God said, uh, I'm, he called Abraham a father when he was not biologically a father. As a matter of fact, the years when he would have been a father were long in the rearview mirror. He was now a man well in age. Are, are you hearing me? Think about it. Now, it would have been one thing, uh, you know, but think about how many decades Abraham had to go 
and nothing happened. And with each passing year, it got worse and worse and less and less and less likely till it became literally, biologically, physiologically impossible. He would never be a, he would never be a father, except God called him a father. Now see, no matter, no matter what anybody tells you, if God calls you something, that's all you need. Doesn't matter what they say. Well, you're a loser. Well, you're a druggie. Oh, you're always a... And they can say all that stuff they want to say. But the minute God calls you something, that's the only word you need. Doesn't matter what they say. Amen? And then look at verse 18. I loved, I've always loved this verse. Who against hope, meaning there was no reason for him to have any hope at all, that he would ever be a father because now he was so old, but against hope, he believed in hope. So he didn't have hope, but he believed in the power of hope. Sometimes you got to believe in the power of hope when you have no hope. Are you hearing me? You got to believe there's this thing called hope and I just have to believe in hope, even though I don't have any hope, but I'm going to believe in hope that if I get it, then things are going to change. I said it this way, hope helps you borrow on your future. When you're in hope, you can literally borrow on your future. Hope helps you borrow something and pull it into the now. Are you listening to me? That's pretty big stuff I just said right there. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. So we see here that hope and faith are inseparable. They are inseparable. Can you say amen? So we have to learn to say about our lives what God has said, no matter how hopeless it appears in the natural. Can you say amen? Um, There's a story of, now this is fictitious, obviously. This little story I read of a mama mouse. And she had a brood of little baby mice. And one night she wanted to introduce them to the house that they were living in and kind of show them their way around. And she got them all out and they're walking down the hall and she's telling them to be very quiet because there's a cat in the house. And she's saying, just children, you follow me now. And just be, just watch, you, whatever I do, you do, and you follow me. And shh, be very quiet. And to get to where she was showing them, they had to walk past the cat. And the cat's all curled up and purring. And she's just saying, be quiet. And about the time she gets them all lined up and gets right beside the cat and is going forward, all of a sudden, one of the cat's eyes comes open. And the next minute, the cat's paw goes up in the air. And all of the little mice are trembling behind their mom. And the mom is thinking, What am I going to do? And then she does something pretty innovative. She starts barking like a dog. And when she did, the cat shriveled up, took off, and ran the other direction. She led her little mice back to their little hole safely, back to their little house. And she said, children, tonight you've learned an important lesson about survival. And they said, what is it, mother? She said, you've learned it pays to have a second language. Hope is your second language. 
where when everybody else says you can't, you won't, you never will, it's not going to work out, you might as well quit, you might as well give up, you might as well stop thinking that, you might as well quit saying that, you say, excuse me, but I have a second language, let me speak it, it shall come to pass, it will come to pass, thank God, it is going to happen, praise God, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it pays to have a second language. So when that devil starts spewing, and that devil starts talking, and he sends all that negativity towards you, you just turn right around and you speak the language of hope. You didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> Once upon a time, amen? Amen. Hope is a second language. I'd never heard that before, and I read that little story, and I thought, that'll make a perfect... Because it is a pretty vivid illustration of how you get to speak hope no matter what the situation says. Well, you've been through a divorce. Well, nobody wants you. Nobody will want you now. I mean, come on. You know, you're used up and abused and nobody will want you and you're 30 and you're 60 and you're 80 and you're, you're this. And this. Stop it. Speak your second language. I'm a treasure. Amen. It was before Bruno ever sung about it. I'm a treasure. Amen. Amen. I'm a treasure. Thank God I am God's chosen. I'm the apple of his eye. Amen. Right? And you start speaking hope over your life. And it's not just again wishing and it's not just some kind of little thing. It's a second language. And it attracts the power of God and it defends you against the attacks and the spews of the devil. Can you shout amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So uh, Job chapter 14, these are very familiar scriptures, but tonight is kind of introductory time anyway, so I thought I'd throw them in there. These are some of my very favorite scriptures about this subject. I've used them countless times over the years, no question about it. But again, the word of God is always fresh. I love these, these series of verses here. Job 14, verse 7, for there is hope. Say, there is hope. There's hope of a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. Now, I've used this illustration. You've seen it yourself. You've seen trees get cut down, and they're, they're basically cut off from life, and yet it would rain, and there'd be little, the branches would still be producing leaves. I thought, how in the world does that happen? I mean, it's been cut off, but there's something, it only takes, I like the, the phrase here is the scent. The very scent of water will make it bud again. The very sin of God's word, the very sin of his spirit, the very sin of his presence, the very sin of God in a room, the very sin. And people thought you were cut down and cut off and you were done and you were out and they already had written your epitaph. But just at the scent of a little bit of hope and you can come to life again. Can you shout amen? I love this story too. Now you know you've heard this one. I love this illustration. There's a couple of illustrations I'm going to use right now. I've used them, I don't know, a hundred times over the years, I guess. But I love this one. And I can relate to this because I was the youngest of all of my, all, you know, my siblings. And I played a lot by myself. I played a lot of game, board games. I'd get board games out and I'd have four little you know, things on there and I'd play all four of them. And there's no way you're going to lose, praise God. 
I would play ball by myself. I would go outside and pitch a ball against the house or against a brick wall or something or throw it up on a roof and count and, you know, then run with my glove and try to catch it before it hit the ground. I did all kinds of stuff like that. So this story I can relate to. It's a little boy, and you've heard the story. He's out in the front yard, and he's pitching the ball up there and swings, and he misses. Hmm. Gets it again, pitches the ball up in the air, swings, and he misses. And he's saying every time, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he pitches the ball up in the air again, and he swings, and he misses. And he says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he keeps doing this for like several minutes, and he's pitched the ball up. Now about the 30th time, he pitches the ball up in the air, swings, and he misses. He says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And then he stopped for a minute, and he thought, and he thought, wait a minute. I'm not the greatest hitter in the world. I'm the greatest pitcher. Sometimes when you think you're losing, you're being positioned or repositioned for something that you were really created to be. Sometimes what we think we're created to be, in the midst of the trouble, God will redirect us to what we were really created to be. You're looking at a chemist right here. I was going to be a chemist. I guarantee I was going to be a chemist. And that worked out for a few months till I blew up everything in my bedroom. Then I was going to be a meteorologist and I built my little weather station out back and I drew my little maps every single day. None of this was for school. It was all for me. I took the little, I had a hydrometer where I could measure the humidity. Uh, I drew all the maps with the isobars and I knew all the wind directions and the speeds and I knew all of this kind of stuff. And I was just, and everybody in school knew that I talked about it all the time and I was going to be a weatherman, but I wasn't going to be a weatherman. And then, of course, I was going to be a DJ. And that still comes out in my sermons every now and then, if you've noticed. I was going to be a DJ. I was going to announce, you know, all of these things. But all of that time where I'm going to be all these things and none of them worked out, God was getting ready to position me for what I was created to be. Because I still tell the forecast. I just tell it to humanity. Amen? I still sing and talk about songs. But it's mostly in the context of what I do as a believer. Amen? I still help people with formulas that can improve their lives. Amen? So praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, hope is what has... Now, if you think about it, we would not have any cures to any of the diseases of our time and very little inventions had there not been someone somewhere with some hope. Because there were myriads of failures before there was ever success. But instead of giving up, somebody said, you know what, I think if we do that again. You know, I think if we try that. I think if we just adjust this. I think if we just do that. I think if we put this in. I think if we take that out. And they kept doing this for decades and sometimes centuries. And look at what mankind, just basically without a lot of help from God. Just I, look, look at how even that kind of hope can change humanity. Can you shout amen? amen? And a lot of us, the devil's had his way with our life for a long time. But it's our time now. Amen? It's like, again, another one of these little stories I've told you many times. It's like the man, he had, uh, gets to the Little League ballpark, and he's driving around one day, and he thinks, I'm going to stop and watch the Little Leaguers play baseball. I used to love to do this. 
I'd just drive around and I'd love to go to a park and just get out. That's how I met Paul and Granny and eventually, of course, brought Ginger. But I used to like just go in the summer and watch these little guys play baseball and just pull your car up there, maybe somewhere out in the outfield, you know, on the other side of the fence and watch them play. And, and uh, so this man decided, I'm going to go by and watch these little kids play baseball. And he thought, I'm going to walk up there. And boy, he's hearing a lot of the, you know, yelling and shouting. And, and he asks, uh, he comes to the dugout of one of the teams. And, and uh, you know, uh, this little boy's not in the game, but he's on the team. And he's in the dugout. And the man goes, hey, uh, hey kid, uh, son, uh, what's the score? And uh, the little boy said, it's 18 to nothing, their favor. And the man said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Gosh, I mean, I know you're very disappointed. He said, I'm not disappointed at all. We haven't even come up to bat yet. Looks at neighbor and said, I haven't even come up to bat yet. The devil might have beaten your lunch for 20 years. Guess what? The next 20 belong to you. Amen. The devil may have stolen from you for 50 years, but no more. Because now it's your turn. Keep your elbow up. Always remember that. Right? Can you shout amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, we're going to try to wind this down. You get anything out of this tonight? There's something about the fact that we have got to, uh, we've got to get our hope back in place so our faith can take hold again. We've got to, whatever it is in your life that you've allowed the devil or the world or people to make you feel hopeless about, you need to turn that and you need to begin tonight with it that my life is taking a major turn. And again, what I said earlier, speak your second language, which is hope. Amen? Let me give you a couple things, write them down, and we'll get out of here. I was trying to uh, preach you through the rain. Hallelujah. So how do you get your hope kick-started? Because that's really what we're talking about. We've got to get our hope kick-started again. Partially, it's what we're doing tonight. You have to hear and hear and hear the word of God. And you need to hear the word of God where hope is concerned. Being in a church is not enough unless there's hope being preached. Amen. That hope, you need, you need, you need the messenger to bring a message of hope. Because it's all in the Bible. It's everywhere. Amen. Uh, listen to this. God will never speak to you when you're hurting and not give you some hope. God will never speak to you when you're hurting and not give you some hope. That's how you know if, it's, if, it's, if, if there's no hope in it, it's not God talking to you. But when you're hurting, God will never speak to you when you're hurting and not give you some hope. God will always do that. I wrote this down. Are we there yet? No. But we're here now with hope, so it's just a matter of time before we get there. Everybody, everybody say, it's just a matter of time before we get there. It's just a matter of time. It's not a question of if. Just a matter of time. That's all we're dealing with. Amen. So we have to hear this and hear this and hear the word. Number two, uh, you have to get your focus off the present. And you have to believe in the possibility. Amen. You have to understand that there are people that if you're in a hopeless situation, there have been countless numbers of people that have been where you are now already and have gone on and have had success in life. You can make it. Everyone say, I'm going to make it. There's no question about it in Jesus' name. 
The third one's really important. You have to put distance between you and those who are hopeless. Uh, you know, because they'll try to block your path. The Bible says in Hebrews 6 and 12, follow those who through faith and patience have inherited the promises. Now you can't afford to be around people that'll steal your hope all the time. That'll tell you how you're not going to do it. You're not going to make it. Your kids are not going to get saved. The kids are not going to turn out right. Your health is not going to improve. Your finances are never going to get any better. Your husband's never going to straighten up. You've got, you're going to have to put your, some, some distance between those kind of people. Can you say amen? amen. Just going to have to. I, I love people. I love people, man. I love them. But I choose very carefully who I spend time around. Amen. I mean, I'm just not going to spend around time on purpose around people that are going to try to steal my hope. Just not going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm going to be very diligent not to do that. Uh, and then the fourth one is something that we started out tonight, but we always know it's true. You know, you got to praise him as if you already have what you're hoping for. Every time we come into church and we have praise service, you either ought to be praising him for what he's already done or praising, what, praising him for what you already know he's about to do. And your praise is a display of your hope. It's, where you're, it's one thing to say that you're in hope, but it's another thing to praise him when things don't look right, but you're still praising him because you already know it's going to change. Can you shout amen? You already know it. It shall come to pass. I love those words in the Bible. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible is, it shall come to pass. Everyone say, it shall. Now, if we could see where God is taking us, uh, in other words, the, the destination completely, sometimes he won't let us see all of it because we'll try to make it happen ourselves and, and, and sometimes we'll mess it up. Just trust God in the process. Amen. Can you shout amen? Now, let's go back and just do a quick little two-minute review. So what are we going to do about all of this? Well, we're going to have to get our hope in God. We're going to have to be like that deer that pants after the water. We're going to have to make sure that when the devil starts telling us all the stuff, and, the people, and when I say the devil, he'll do it through people, as you know. When all that happens, we have to learn to speak our second, second language. Now, you're going to stand out. We all know this. If you're the hopeful person in the room, you are not going to fit most of the time. Because everybody in there is trying to tell you how bad it is. And this person will say something and this person will try to top how bad that is. Well, I tell you what, I had this and this. Well, I tell you what I had. I had this, this, and this, and that. Well, I tell you what, I'm about to die. When you stand in there and say, man, I tell you what, I mean, things are about to get great in my life. I'm so excited. My best days are coming. Woo! I'm about to feel healthier than I've ever felt. I'm about to do things I've never done. I'm about to experience life in a way I've never experienced it. I'm going to have the right people in my life, and people are going to love me and treat me right, and I'm going to live life, and I'm going to help people, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be a difference maker on this planet. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on the Outreach.fm podcast with Pastor William Luffman. We trust that today's conversation has offered you valuable insights and perspectives. And as we part ways, remember to stay engaged with our community online. 
Visit faithoutreach.org for more resources and join our live stream at livestreamchurch.com. This is Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's gonna shine again.